0: What's up, guys? Before we jump into today's episode with this incredible narcissist abuse expert, I just want to tell you that this is part one of a two-part series because we talked for so long because Shalia could not stop dropping gems. Like, to deep dive into this episode is something you want to sit down with a notepad and a pen and maybe some damn wine. When I say narcissist abuse expert, I feel like you guys are probably thinking that this is playing victim and pointing out someone else's flaws and the way in which they treat you, but it is so, so not. It is about understanding what we're attracted to, why we keep meeting the same problems in different bodies, how we behave in the world when dating someone like that, after dating someone like that, what happens to our confidence, our attachment styles, the choices that we make the men that we meet, the level in which we all end up settling on, and the things that we can do to kind of break these barriers and stop finding ourselves in partnerships and relationships and situationships where we look up after a very long, you know, where we where we feel like we've spent too much time cuz I have not talked to one woman that hasn't said that she has ended up in a relationship or too far too long. And where we can stop looking up and be like, wow, what happened here and how did I get in this mess? Or you know, how do I, how did I do this three times over with three different people with the same ending, right? There has to be some radical responsibility here. And so today's guest, I had to give this to you guys. It is a part one of a two-part episode with Shalia Daly, and she is going to rock your world. So get excited, sit down, get a notepad. You're going to want to take notes for this one and (laughs) buckle up for this ride because it's going to be the greatest self-awareness, radical responsibility episode you have heard in a very, very long time. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the new Stranded Phase podcast, where we are literally healing, transforming, owning our stuff and just taking radical responsibility for who we are and who we want to be. And so as promised, it was my goal to bring you guys people that have I've met head-on. It's funny when you're going through something difficult and you find yourself on the floor praying for God to surround yourself with the, surround you with the right people. And one thing I can promise you indefinitely is he has surrounded me and invited some incredible people into my life that just have the skills and the knowledge and the experience to heal around things and in ways that I'd never in my life thought was possible. And so the guest I'm bringing you today I am so excited about because this is such important information that I think we all dance around, but I have to first tell you how I came across her content In a conversation with a male friend that years ago was telling me about his relationship. I remember sitting across the dinner table from him and going, Oh my God, you have to leave this relationship. And he looked back at me after telling me a few stories and said, you know, Jess, I wonder if I need to, but I keep thinking that this is what they meant when they say you should fight for someone you love. And just knowing him and knowing how good of a person he was, I was thinking, um, are you batshit crazy? Like this girl's treating you like crap and she's giving you the runaround and she's telling you lies and she's telling you stories like you deserve so much better. And he was like, okay. And he said immediately after that, the next day he sat in his car Kind of had a conversation with himself, got on Instagram, and he fell onto your content. And he was blown. This woman that I'm about to introduce you to, her content is incredible, real, funny, and so spot the fuck on, y'all. So now that he's witnessed me going through what I'm going through, he forwarded on your content. And within minutes, I was like, oh, this woman knows what the (laughs) hell she's talking about. And we've had countless conversations. You have truly opened me up to seeing and understanding and just, Cause there's such a thin line between limiting beliefs and radical responsibility and what we own and what we should not own. And so, um, guys, I'm so excited to bring this woman to you. She's a narcissist abuse expert, and just the queen of owning your trauma so that you can heal from it. And so I'm so excited today to have on the podcast, Shalia Daly.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did not know that story that that's how you found me. And so how just uh, such affirmation for me. And that just is the whole reason I have the page is the whole reason I exist. And so, wow, that's so incredible. Thank you for sharing that.
0: (laughs) So let's jump right in. Right. So I guess my first question has to be this, because when you start talking about narcissism, you think like when you first hear you talk, I feel like there's somebody that would listen to you and be like. Oh, she sounds like she's been through some shit. She sounds like she's been in some pain. (laughs) For you to have gotten to this place, you had to obviously heal on your own. So, briefly, kind of tell me how you went and you spiraled into this, and how this kind of became your like the love of what you do. Because I've never met anyone that loves it more than you. (laughs) So
1: I love it so
0: much. How did you kind of get into this space and fall in love with it?
1: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So I'm actually a nurse by trade. I was in healthcare for 20 years. I wasn't a nurse the whole time. Um, and I did trauma near ICU at the end of my career. And so what I can identify is like, I always love helping people. Um, and I always love teaching. You're always teaching your patients. And I was always the one wanting to like create new change and create new curriculum. And, and so I knew that that was my spot. I knew I wasn't really living in what I was called to do. Cause I want to do this. I just didn't know what this was. So after ending a 15 year narcissistic relationship um, and not being able to find anything on the next steps, you can find the books on boundaries. You can find the books, you can find information about it, but you can't find how to implement it and you can't find the next step. And I was just like desperate to be like, okay, what I know about neuroscience, like what I know about our brain, and what our bodies are feeling and and how i how i understand and just passionately love love anatomy and read three books a week uh, pretty much all the time you see it behind me and i just love research i love the science behind it i approached my healing clinically and i was mm-hmm. like okay let me get all the books let me do all the research and be like if i'm feeling this it means this and i should be doing this thing is that's not necessarily how it always works there is a lot of science and there is a clinical approach um but I still wanted to apply that in a way that it was like practical, like that you could really do it. You know, how do? You, don't just tell me to love myself. Like that looks like what? Like, self love is cultivated, right? It's yes. it's choosing yourself over and over again. Yes. Um, and so, out of that, I left corporate America. I was actually teaching um, at the time for Striker, um, and I left that and I started this coaching business. And it was my absolute heart and goal to get this information out there, but to continue the study of this is a trauma. What is narcissism? Why am I feeling this way? Why can't I stop the thought loop? Why? And then what do I do about it? Um, And so i created this program that it's the step-by-step process, because when you come to me and you've still been in this pain for 10 years, that's not okay with me. And I just, Mm -hmm. I prayed and I said, God, if you'll ever get me through this, if you ever show me what the real healing steps are, I will share it with the world. And so my signature program pain to purpose was born and that's what it is. It's pain to purpose and it's 12 weeks because it doesn't take 12 years. <laughs> it takes because various... everyone will
0: tell you it takes half the time of the relationship you were in to heal. Oh my God. No, Hold on. Lies.
1: You... Fucking lies. <laughs> no lies, lies, lies. No, no. It you takes said it takes.
0: so many things. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Cause I wrote down this. Cause we have to talk about this later. Once we get deeper into this, which is going like, Feeling and in tune with uh, clinically, like dealing with it clinically, because there are so many things that I have learned from you about trauma bonds, this chemical balance, why we're looking for this in the next person. And then you also said this, which I thought was, we have to get back to this too. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> was that, do you hear how, because to me, and this could just be me, I feel like when we use the word narcissism or narcissist, we're blaming someone. Someone's saying, okay, so if you're calling your former partner a narcissist, then now you're saying that everything is their fault, but you're actually talking through this in a way that as the former person or partner in this chosen choice relationship, you are also now healing from a lot of things and you have to release a lot of things and understand this chemically and clinically because you will go find this in another body. Right.
1: Right. And why can't I, why can't I call something what it is? It's like, can I not call you male if you're male? Can I not call me female if I'm female? Can I not call you what you are? Why? Why can't I do that?
0: So speaking of what you are, because this <laughs> is this is it right here. So when you and I had our initial conversation, I posted some questions to my audience, right? And a lot of what the question I got, which is so elementary, but it is so necessary because one of the things you taught me immediately was this is a
1: behavioral, am I right? Behavioral disorder. This is a real thing. It's an, a diagnosable disorder. So that is such a good question. I get this all the time. So the word narcissism is thrown around so flippantly and people misunderstand it as self-love. Like, oh, if you like yourself, if you love yourself. That's selfish. And it's narcissistic. Narcissists actually don't really love their self. They don't like their self at all. It's a fragile ego. They are projecting all this big, glamorous, loud, bolsterous scene thing. Look at me. Look at me. Love me. Love me. Well, if you need somebody to love you that much, you don't love yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there. The basis of it is a fragile ego, just because they present as like this big, glamorous thing. It's not that doesn't mean that's how they feel. So when people are, are asking, using that word so flippantly and being like, oh, they're all about themselves. So I should be about myself. I should choose me. That's healthy. That's self love. It doesn't mean I do it and hurt others. It just means that to love myself, to cultivate self love, that big question, I do got to love myself. What do you want me to do? kick my own ass every day and just tell myself what a piece of crap I am? No. So it really has nothing to do with narcissism. That's just a, people misunderstand it. So what it actually is, is it is a it, narcissistic personality disorder. So NPD, <coughs> the same way that diagnosis, diagnoses that we come up with those, right? Like when someone is bipolar, it's called the DSM five, mm-hmm. like the the Bible of diagnosis you look in there, it's a cluster B personality disorder. It is a real thing. So, when we use that word, we are minimizing the pain and trauma people go through, and we are minimizing an actual disorder. People don't realize it's an actual diagnosable disorder. The other question I get that you just touched on was well, how do I know? How do I know? Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the actual criteria, they have to meet five of the nine things in that list of disorders. Most narcissists will meet all nine. And if you read it, you'll recognize it like immediately. You'll be like, oh God, oh God. (laughs) But here's the bottom line with it all. The only reason that we like labels and new labels anyways, because if I can study, so the clinical piece of it is that if I can put a label on this, it means I've studied it. So like when you do all these things, A, it means that you'll have all these symptoms, B, and I can treat it with all these things, C, and try to get this outcome. It's like the only reason that we do it. the only reason you're trying to, you know, understand is he or she a narcissist really should be a to allow yourself the forgiveness. Like, It's not freaking me. It's not me. This is the disorder projecting onto me. It's not me. That's step one. But if we get too caught up in, are they a narcissist? Are they borderline personality? Cause like they're super close. Don't stop giving a shit. This person is mean to you. This person hurts you. This person manipulates you. You don't belong there. I don't really care if you call him like Santa Claus or a priest. <laughs> it hurts you. So, you know, we can label for them the intent of understanding it's not our fault and understanding that there is a cluster of behaviors So when you look at my post and stuff and you're resonating, it's validating you. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That validation is important. But really, we cluster things to give labels to it so we can learn to treat it. Well, once you understand, like, this is toxic and it's not me, move on, move on to healing. Don't stay stuck in reading books, trying to understand a disorder that keeps you stuck. It is what it is. That's literally what that sentence even means. So like, let's not read five books on how to handle them, treat them, blah, 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 what the disorder is, where the disorder came from. Read five books on how the fuck to love yourself, move forward, heal, create the life you want, the business you want, the parent you want to be, the partner you want to have, like read a book on painting for God's sake. I don't even know how to sing in five days, something about you, not about the narcissist. So it is important. It is a disorder. It's used very flippantly, which is what we want to quit doing, but right past understanding that got to go forward. Okay. So I have a
0: question, but I have to, I have to explain this for a second. So <laughs> one of my favorite answers you've ever given me was when I asked you, so I know a lot of people that fit these traits. I even had to look at them and go, am I some of these? Um, but then I asked you, so, and before you answer this, hold on, because <laughs> I, you know I, <laughs> I have to make a point I'm really confused about. So my question to you originally was, okay, so are people born with this disorder? Or did they become a narcissist? Because even when I read the traits, I thought, okay, I know a few people that have kind of like become this, right? Because I sat there and thought I wouldn't be friends with people or date people that were like this, but then eventually they kind of became that. But, and you have a phenomenal answer for this. So I can't wait. But I was just reading the shadow effect. Have you ever read that? Mm-mm. Okay. So it's Deepak Chakra. Um, Chopra. Yeah. Deepak Chopra. Chopra. Yeah. I would yes. say his name wrong. And he talks about basically our shadows and that we all have them. And it's the dark side, how you can't be parts of God without the devil, how we all have this shadow within us. And he gives these eight reasons, uh, eight signs that your shadow is being fed, right? So basically it's all within us. And we're constantly trying to keep that person at bay, but things can feed it. And when it's being fed, it is empowered. And so the shadow will become more of us. So you go from like this, I don't know, 80, 20 to this 60, 40, and your shadow is loud, proud, and out there. And when I read these things that are signs that your shadow is being fed, they were literally the things Listen. of a narcissist. It was like, you lack empathy. You need constant validation. You have to feel superior. And I was like, Ooh, shit. So this takes me back to the question. Are we born this way or do we become this person? And is this
1: our shadow coming to life? Mm, really deep, really deep perspective. So it's important to note that people, everyone has a shadow, as he said, I love, um, I've read other books on this and I think it's like very, very powerful. Um, but everyone can demonstrate some of those periods of lack of empathy. So not, not that's your norm and sustained. So that would be the shadow. It's not sustained lack of empathy. It's mm-hmm. rise and fall of it. Narcissists have sustained lack of empathy, right? It is there. It is there. So what we actually see in it is like you hear like the mask falling off. Like I met this person and they weren't like that. And then they changed. So what we talked about is where well, are they born with it or does it develop over time? There's actually like a lot of studies that go either way on that because mental health is incredibly genetic. Mental health disorders are genetic that we know, um, but there's a lot of different theories on, does it develop over time? Are you born with it? Can you learn it? But what I believe and what there is research on as well is that we are genetically already wired a certain way and the environment pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a loaded gun. And we see that with cancer and other things that manifest, like, you know, I can take this person and feed them all the bad foods. And this person doesn't get cancer. This person I, you know, I feed a little bit of the bad food and it activates, it pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. So if that's already lying dormant in you, it's, you know, it's already within you An event life circumstances can pull that trigger. Give me some
0: environmental examples. So, cause you say environment and I think people are thinking physical environment, but give me like some environmental examples
1: that could pull the trigger for this. I think what you see is like, you know, because it's based on like a fragile ego, um anytime a narcissist feels threatened and it's usually completely unwarranted you're like whoa where did that come from i'm not trying to make you feel bad i'm not trying to hurt you or make you feel stupid or i just have a, set, a different opinion um you might see something really activate that like their wife or husband pulling away or losing a job or these things you know their partner starts becoming more successful than them mm. um, things that like activate within them like that like you are not going to make me feel less than or inferior when nobody was trying to like I must maintain my status right <laughs> like I must put all of my like here's my boat and here's my car and here's my shirt and you want to believe where I got this necklace from? like something like pulls them, right and now all of a sudden it's like it's this thing is starting to be activated. so can it be the shadow or are you just a narcissist well the narcissist, like all of that is going to be sustained. You're going to see these patterns go up and down. You know, it's very predictable. If someone is in a relationship and you finally decide you're, you have enough of the gaslighting and the way you're being treated and you're not buying into the bullshit anymore that you should fix yourself, go to 20 more hours of therapy. Um, it's probably you you're wrong. If you were smaller, if you're skinnier, if you're a blonder, if you shut up, if you talk more, like whatever, You You're more grateful. If you are more grateful for all I do for you, when you're like, but I didn't ask you to do any of that. And in fact, everything you did for me, you did for you because you wanted me to look a certain way to reflect on you. That's still narcissistic. You won't find that as much like in that shadow piece of it, right? Not in a narcissist. They constantly need to be fed. So that's shadow being fed. Narcissists, what you'll see is they'll get negative and positive supply, but they always need a supply. And here's the difference in those two things. When I make you cry, when I piss you off, they get pleasure from it. That's a negative supply that still feeds them. When they go to work and their boss is like, best employee ever, trophy, cookie, new tag, um, positive supply, right? <laughs> Both of those things feed them. So what you saw during COVID is when narcissists were not getting their positive supply because they couldn't go to work and they couldn't go to bars and girls couldn't be like, I don't even know what your wife is thinking. Like, you are so good, boy. Like your hair, stop it. You know, and you're like, you got a nappy head. No, I don't like your hair. She doesn't either. You're in a bar. Let's be real. Okay. It's dark. We've all been drinking. You don't smell good. You smell like shit. Like, So let's just table all that. But see, that's a positive supply. And they weren't getting that during COVID. You saw that they were, they were getting a net. They were feeding off of getting a negative supplies. They were picking more fights with their partner. They were leaving the house and packing their bags and trying to find the nearest hotel. And they were, it was just negative, negative, negative because they need negative or positive supply. They just always need supply. They always need to be fed. That is not part of like the shadow, right? It's not. It's no. Not, oh my so God. do you see that distinction? Yes. So like we all have a shadow, but we're not all narcissists. So their mechanism is just completely different. And you see some of those environmental things, like whether it's the getting into a relationship where the person doesn't totally kiss their butt and they're like, whoa, whoa, what's all this? Like you not bowing down to me stuff, crazy talk. So <laughs> you'll see like different things like right now. I am like you're on. talking about my life right now. <laughs> Because, and that's the thing with narcissism too, is, you know, I probably had 20 messages this morning and from people just saying like, wow, like that last reel, or I just saw that reel. And then I saw your page and it's like, you're standing in my living room. It's like, you're standing in my kitchen. And I was like, well, the good and bad of this is that it's because they're all this same, right? That's the bad, like that sucks that they all have these same ways they act, respond, whatever. The good of that is that, well, then you're predictable. And that means that we all have a similar way we can heal from that trauma. Right. Okay. Speaking
0: of healing, because this is a big one, right? Then I'm going to speak very briefly to my own situation, but so many other women that I have spoken with that feel the same way. And I can't even imagine you've probably spoke with tons of women like this as well is the ending of a relationship, regardless of where it is. We, so many women feel like their life is falling apart after that. And mm-hmm. you want to top it and make it worse is that like the partner or the man is like living his best life. Right. Mm-hmm. And now what this does to us is we start to, you put up a post about it. And I was like, Oh, that was spot on when you gave your like three part um portion about your divorce. When you said you woke up one day and you were so empowered and you were like, this is the end I'm ready. And then you were like packing your bags. And then you just had this moment of like, well, oh, wait. Is he right? Am Absolutely I sleep Did I not pianist. fight for my marriage? Was this my fault? And I think that for women that there's, especially when you start piling up the problems, right? Because I feel like I'm being stripped right now. Everything that I thought was solid, including my friends, like my family, not my family, but like parts of our family, my life, like everything feels like it is being fucking stripped, like down to my bare bones. Right. But it's like, then what that does in a moment, if you're not careful, will make you be like, Oh, so am I wrong? Was it me? Is that, should I, was I ungrateful? Like, should I have, should I have fought harder? Should I like radical responsibility versus limiting beliefs is the way I look at it. Right. So it's like, then we start questioning everything and then we're like wait is the grass greener am i making a mistake is this stupid should i just sit tight like what the hell is going on here and how do women decipher and trust cuz it comes down to trusting yourself how do you trust yourself in these moments cuz women i feel like i know i'm not the only one i know i'm not the only you one not. and i i have talked to countless women every woman in america can say that she has stayed in her one relationship in her lifetime far too long, sure. far too Absolutely. long. So how do we know? And like, what did you do in that moment where you were like, no, fuck this fear, fuck this feeling. I know what I know to be true.
1: Very much as like, fuck the fear. Okay. That's actually <laughs> what it was exactly like. I will not choose this. You, everyone gets to a place where it's like, I would rather, you know, die or be living in any, a box than to do this. But one thing, one thing I I want you to understand is that it's conditioning. You're not feeling like is it my fault because it is. You're feeling like that because you were conditioned to believe it was your fault. You're not feeling like the grass. You know the fucking grass is greener. (laughs) The reason that you are scared to go there is because you were told and conditioned to. You were conditioned to question. All your questions are just sheer conditioning. Fear was conditioned into you. Questioning was conditioned into you. When you were like hey, I want spaghetti tonight. And someone's like, do you? Do you really like spaghetti? Because I don't think you do. And you're like, I mean, I think I do. Really? Because there was that one time when you had it and you said you didn't like it. And you're like, well, shit, now I don't even like spaghetti. I don't even know I like spaghetti. You learn to question everything from like COVID to peanut butter, right? You're like, I don't even know if I like crunchy anymore. I don't even know if COVID's real. I don't even know. I don't even Conditioning. So when you ask that question, you just said, When you're asking, should, and may I use you as an example? Yes. Because this is really how it is. We get so caught in looking to other people for answers and (sighs) solutions. This is what it's really like. Okay. Should you have fought harder? Answer it. No. No.
0: Okay. Okay. Were you grateful? Were you grateful? Yes. Insanely. Unlimited. To the point where there's nothing else I could say or do.
1: <laughs> That's the answer. So when you're questioning yourself, ask yourself, hold, hold yourself for a minute. We don't do that well, right? Let me hold myself in this moment. It's so easy to be like, jump on and ask a friend, call a friend, look on a Facebook page, look on Instagram, grab a book and, and get that validation. How about you just sit with it and ask your own self because you know that answer. I should not have fought hard. I fought as hard as I could. I read the book. I went to therapy. I cried my eyes out. I asked you to show up differently for me. I was grateful. You're a liar. You're a manipulator. That's the truth. I, I can just look at myself and say no. And something really powerful I said in that same post. And actually my attorney told me this, which is kind of funny. Um, and he's this like Georgia, um, boy and has this, True Georgia boy soul. Um, he would hate it if he knew I just called him a boy. He's actually a grown man. <laughs> but, um, he said to me, and it was like really, really powerful. I was sitting in his office and I'm crying and snot is flying. And he actually would send me this picture before our appointments of like this baby with a snot bubble coming out of their nose. And he's like, if we could just maybe not do the snot bubbles day, it was like a total joke because I was just a wreck. And um, when I first went in there, and I said, I said, What if he's right? I was like, what if he's right? What if the grass isn't always greener? Like, what if he's right? And he said, Jalea, you're not standing in grass as it is. You're standing in mud. So if you jump the fence and go to the other side and it's mud and not grass, at least it's mud on your terms. And I was like, I was like, okay, (laughs) that is profound. Because we keep on thinking, like, Oh, is the grass you were not standing in grass. You were standing in toxicity. You're walking on eggshells. You're standing in a bed of freaking eggs. (laughs) Like that's what you're standing in. You're not standing in something good.
0: So wait, 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 wait. You taught me this. Let's go back to this, that a narcissist relationship equals living in fear. And you said, you'll just trade. You're just trading one anxiety for another. You want to live anxiety. You want to live in anxiety of waiting and fearing that someone is going to cheat on you or choose someone else or blah, 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 blah. Or do you want to live in the anxiety that is uncomfortable of moving on, learning yourself right. and understanding? Pick one.
1: You just, which anxiety do you want? Which one do you want? Because the thing with moving forward and the reason you're having anxiety, going back to that like you know, physiological perspective, your brain's not wired. For, for, it's not wired for happiness. It's wired for safety. So here's where it gets really screwed up. It equates consistency to safety. So it's like, I go to work, I come home, the person yells at me, I dodge it. I go to bed, I wake up. That still feels safer than that scary unknown world. How, what do I do with my car? What do I do with my house? What if my job? What if people don't like me? What if, what if, what if? It's equating safety to complacency and consistency because it's wired for don't leave the cave. Don't go out there. Okay. it's wired for like out there, the lion eats you. In here, you know, with all the stinky people inside the cave, you're in a tribe and you're protected. And yeah, it doesn't feel happy in here. I mean, it's hot AF and everybody's like piling up to sleep. But if you go out there, you die. Like that—that's actually just like part of your like human primitive protection and ego. Right. So we have to resist it. So when I feel the fear, I've got to break that down and be like, wait, wait, where is this coming from? You see this happen all the time in abusive relationships and people are always like, I cannot believe that girl, like, you know, got her, got beaten, went to the hospital, left the ER and went back to the abuser. And everybody's like, why does that happen? Why does it happen? Your brain, you've got to be aware of what it's really telling you. It's equating like, I don't know what to do in a homeless shelter. I don't know how I'll get a house. I don't know how I'll get a job. I don't know how I'll get a car. And I've been told that I can't do those things anyway. It feels safer. To go back to the abuser than to go what we know to be safe into the world, into a shelter, try to get a job, try to find a skill set. It actually feels safer to go back to consistency. So you have to understand that the fear that you're feeling is really more about, I don't miss this joker, I don't miss life with him. I want partnership, I want relationship, I want consistency, I want to go to the same house, I want to know the bills paid, I want to know like this is the car I'm driving, and this is the payment, and this is the house payment. That's what I want. That's not happy. But when I go for happy, I get that fear with it. I get that. Is the grass greener? Yeah. But you got to work for that. You got to tell yourself and tell your brain, we can be happy and safe. We can be happy and safe. I know you're scared, but we're going to do this damn thing anyway, because this fear isn't, it's bad data. I say this all the time. It's bad data. It's it's what you're processing and receiving from society, from TV from what you learn from that primitive state. Like it's just bad data that says, stay where you're at. Don't go out there. We see it in business all the time. Don't shoot for that goal. Don't you start your business? Who are you to start that? Because it's wired for stay home, stay small. Don't go out there. It's not wired for happy. It's wired for safety. When I try to go to happy, it's going to tell me like, oh, that's scary. I don't know what that is. And I have to remind myself happy and safe can coexist. We are gonna push through this. We are gonna do it. We're gonna go into the unknown. We're gonna build really cool shit there. And I have to remind myself, like, no, I don't want complacency. It's not safe there. It's not safe in a relationship where I'm walking around never knowing when the next explosion is gonna be, never knowing when I'm gonna just like not say thank you five times and I said it four times and that wasn't enough. Like that's not safe.
0: This consistency thing in your brain fearing the shit out of it is so critical to understand because it will only, almost manipulate you into a misunderstanding. Like I'm listening to you say this and I'm thinking, do you know how many times my, fred, my friends would like pour into me and then start like speaking life into my new life. And I start panicking. I'm like, okay, stop, 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 stop. stop. Like I'm not there yet. Overwhelming. So and they're mm-hmm. like, but you are there. Like it's time for these things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I don't, I get anxiety thinking about that stuff because it feels so unsafe.
1: It feels I get anxiety thinking about being happy. Think about that. I get anxiety thinking about being happy. And you're like, I cognitively know that that's like, why is it happening? It's it's the wiring that's keeping you alive. Your brain just thinks it's keeping you alive. And that's its only goal. That's what it was supposed to do, right? So it's misunderstanding the things that are keeping you alive. So you get to drive your brain instead of your brain driving you. But people don't know to do that. They just like have these random thoughts and like random emotions and they don't know what's happening. And I call it like an emotional bumper car. They're just bumping into things in life and seeing what happens with no control and no. Here's what it looks like being aware that that's actually what's happening. And then saying, you know what? You know what, brain? You know what, higher self? That's not what's happening. And this is what we're going to do. Speaking to that that inner child that we all have, that wounded inner child. And when I say this in, in sessions with the clients, they always look at me funny. And I'm like, you know what? Uh-uh. We all know that there are two conversations going on in your head at all times. We all have it. (laughs) So instead of calling that, you know, your amygdala and your cerebral cortex, let's call it your inner child and your higher self, because that's really what it is. So when wounded scared, you is saying like, I don't know if they'll love me. I don't know what it's like out there. I don't want to go out there. Life has told me that it's not safe out there. Higher self three years from now, you get to say, hey, let's talk about this. I know you're scared and I know it's really unknown. I don't really fully know what we're going to do either, but I know it's going to be okay. I know that the part of you that's scared right now is because you just don't know. I know that that's okay. That's okay. Have that conversation versus the other conversation that looks like your higher self being like, shut up. Okay. Like, stop it. We're we're not going to do this. We're not going to be scared. Put your big girl pants on, do the damn thing. And we're like scolding this part of us that needs to be held because we can still say, hey, we are going to do the damn thing. We are going to push through the fear. Let me hold you through that. And that's just your, your inner child that was taught that you couldn't stand up and you couldn't go outside and you had to play small. And, and this is scary. So those two conversations are always having instead of yelling at that part of you that's like you feel like sh- you feel like she's not showing up enough or she's crying too much or she's not doing it the right way, instead of yelling at her and telling her to grow the fuck up, let's change that. Let's bring her in and let's hire you have a conversation with little hat.
0: Right there has been my biggest mission this entire time because, oh my God, my body wants to like, bitch, shut it down, shut the heart, shut the doors, shut, you know, and then sometimes I wake up and I feel myself going, you get up and get to it today. The only thing you got left is your business and your kid. So make it work, you know, like get to it. And then I will catch myself where I can literally feel my heart hardening. Like, I'm like, you're literally about to harden the path that you're going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my biggest mission is to not do that, to maintain. I call it like maintaining my femininity. Like you can be soft and still be a boss. You can sit and like, I have girlfriends call me now and they'll be like, hey, this is just a check-in. You cry today? And I'm like, yep, cried this morning. I'm good now. Like, I'm, <laughs> yes. trying not to, I'm trying not to avoid the release that is necessary. I'm trying not to, you know, give myself that get the fuck up and move on speech. Like, it's not, but that doesn't mean that I'm, because someone asked me the other day, like, why would you do meditation every day if you said it makes you cry? And I was like, because the, this energy is in me regardless. And guess right. what? The crying has
1: gotten shorter. It still happens, but it's shorter. Cause you're I processing you're, when you push down feelings, they don't process you're processing. Yes. That's why it's getting shorter.
0: Yes. And I'm like, and then now afterwards, most of those days I experience like immense joy immediately after, and I can find myself smiling and I'm like, I get to have the control over that. Doesn't mean that I can't control waking up sad every, every other day or whatever, but I get to control how I feel. And I want to maintain my femininity. I don't want to go into the next relationship being closed off. I don't want to go into the next relationship shutting out men because I see a certain trait that I've seen before. You know, I don't want to meet the same person in the same damn body. Like I want to maintain my softness, my my genuine side, the love that I give. Like yes, are there some things I need to change? Some traumas I need to acknowledge 1000%. But I don't want to take this situation and become somebody I'm not destined to be. And that requires me to process this shit Good,
1: bad, ugly, and indifferent. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, I'm so glad that you're doing the meditation, and what you're describing is like doing that work. Um, and we had we had touched, and and I think I went down a different path. You had you had asked me because this is kind of relative to it. You had asked me about how do you know what do we do? I know what you are asking. You when when we were talking about, you said you know how do you push through that, and how do you know if you're you're right or not? Maybe the grass is greener on the other side, and I just reverse it on you and said sit, really sit with yourself and ask that question, which is another thing that we can do in meditation. Um, is that's why it's such an important space. So it's like two things. It's like having that com- not pushing down your inner child and having the conversation. Now it still looks like we're gonna go forward today and we're gonna pull this together is we are boss, like we are boss. It can coexist with gentleness though, right? Yes. There's a time to do that. And it's not like the it's not the don't feel thing, it's just the motivated. We are going forward. We are going to do this, but it's with grace and kindness and ease. And it's still acknowledging the pain. So that's one thing, the meditation piece. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, um, I shared with you, you know, I had a client that was just like, it's these ideas that we have around these really healthy practices. Like, Oh, I don't like breath work or I I don't, I'm not a good meditator. It puts me to sleep. Yeah. It puts me to sleep. I always lose my thoughts. I just can't do it. And I'm like, well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Right. Um, because I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause there's this idea that it's only one way. I was like, so describe to me when you think of meditation, you know, what do you think? And she's like, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, palms up, there's a candle, there's music. I have got a mat and I was like, okay, stop. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I want like, to go too. <laughs> I am like, I just had to go put on like the, the robe, like the monk thing, you know, I had incense. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, let's just stop there. If you want to do all that, which now I've led into something that looks a little more like that, but that's not where you start. This is, this is whole idea that we do this big, huge things every day. I need to run two miles. I need to drop 50 pounds, like an entire Olsen twin. in like one week I need to like, like there's this like idea. I, I must meditate for 30 minutes from the get go or I'm failing. So here's something I really worked through with her. I was like, what would feel good to you? I was like, she's a mom. I'm a mom. Those of us who are moms were like, we all know that we fake go to the bathroom just to get a minute. Yeah. Like I just want a minute. So I'm right. going to go shut the door and pretend to compete. So you actually can go in your bathroom and sit on your floor and give yourself 60 seconds. Here's a little brain hack. A little brain hack is that when I'm so used to being busy, which is a trauma response, Being busy, got to wash dishes, got to mop the floor, got to do the clothes. Because if he sees me not busy, he'll think I'm not doing something. And God knows I got to be busy. Okay. So you don't even know how to sit down with yourself. So you can't sit down for 30 minutes. And that would be an unreasonable expectation. But you can sit down for 60 seconds. Your body's done that before. So the brain hack is that if you set the timer on your phone, and it already knows in 60 seconds, you can totally go back to your crying, busyness, anxiety-filled thing. But for 60 seconds, I'm going to check out. For one minute, it makes you able to do it. It's a little goal, dark bathroom, 60 seconds. You set a timer. Well, here's what happens. And while I'm on that meditation can look like affirmations. It can look at me saying, you're so good. You're so worthy. This feels good. Thank you for giving me 60 seconds to check out. It can be out loud. It can be music. It can be guided. It can be so many things. I do all
0: guided meditations. Like I, that's how I had to start. Someone had to be telling me what to think and what to say to myself. And that was critical. Like I did one this morning that was like, the girl was leading, telling you everything she loves in small, like the first sip of coffee, like the smile on her child's face, the, she loved lilies, like all these little things. And then was like, now I'm going to play music and I want you to say out loud what you love. And like, I, everyone has this feeling like, let's address this so for a second. Really awesome. When she said, say this out loud, I was like, this is so stupid. Like I was like, okay, here I go about to say to no one, all the things I love. And then I'm like 10 things in and I'm like smiling. I'm literally smiling because I'm literally visualizing these things. It's just how they say And the power of meditation is that if someone explained to you, every aspect of a lemon with your eyes closed, by the time you get to the end, you can literally smell the lemon. You know, and so the idea is that you can literally shut your mind off for a minute, visualize these things, whether it be things in gratitude, manifesting what you want, owning your feelings, you can literally visualize these things come the end. And so for me to be picturing everything I loved, I couldn't help but smile at the end. I was literally thinking about my kids smiling and laughing. And um, I'm like, wow,
1: when I went into this, I was crying. So many different ways to do it. And that's what people have to understand. So many different ways to do it. So here's what happens when you're when you get the 60 seconds and it felt good, you have already started creating a new belief. So that and then your body got a little like, hey, that wasn't so bad. So then it says, well, we can do that again. So the next day you go back and you're in the bathroom and now you've proven to yourself it's not as hard as you thought. So now the timer goes off and you're like, wait, maybe I want like another minute. You are training your brain to see it differently because your feelings and thoughts are habits. You're creating an experience. That gives you a new belief around meditation. Now your brain is releasing all this like feel good shit. Well, we are wired for like, you know, we are wired for, for uh, reward. And so as that happens, it's a natural progression that now the thing you said, I don't have time for and I can't do and I fall asleep and whatever it feels good. And my body is running to it. So here's the kicker. Here's the big thing about that. You're going to love this. I think I shared this with you, but if I didn't, you're going to love it. You'll love it twice let's say that now I I can do a 10 minute meditation. Now my body is seeking it. Now I can't wait to do it, which is what you experienced, right? -hmm. It felt good. It created a new habit. My brain said, Ooh, I like that. Let's do it again. It was like ice cream. You know? Yeah. I want more of that. Here's what happens. Anxiety doesn't usually live here. If you imagine this is a circle, this is where we are right now. We are in the, now we're in this present moment in this present moment, no one's hitting you, chasing you, being mean to you in this moment, you know, we're sitting on a, on a podcast, we're healthy, we're fed, you know, we've got our makeup on and hair. It doesn't live here. The only way I can have anxiety here in this circle is if I bring it from the past into it or I look in the future and I bring it into it. But here's the magic of it. Anxiety doesn't live unless I'm actually being assaulted right now. The majority of the anxiety I feel every day. I am bringing in by my thoughts, projecting in the future or the past. So when you can see it like this, I'm a bubble and I just need to get back in that bubble. The bubble is the safe space. The bubble is the bathroom meditation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So once you train yourself, even if it's for 10 minutes, I have a safe place to go to. The kicker is the safe places in my mind. It means I can access it in my car. I can access it in my office. I can access it in my closet. I can access it in bed. But I have to train myself to do that, these daily practices. So when the anxiety hits, when I can't get out of the thought loop, when the X shows up and blah, 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 my body already knows we have a safe place. And it looks so it's so much easier to get in your circle, get in your circle, the circle. In this moment, that doesn't exist. Okay, so I'm like, I know that I can hold the feeling because I've memorized the feeling. I have taught my body that when we come into the now, when we meditate, it feels good. And so I can say, get us back there, get us back there. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm going to set my timer and I'm going to give myself five minutes. I'm going to get inside my circle in the now for five seconds, five minutes. At the end of this, you can jump back into all the future, da-da-da-da. But what happens is you won't want to at the end of it anyway. You'll be like, no, it feels good inside the circle. So when you meditate daily, when when you make that a habit. And you train your body that we have a safe place to tap into all the time, no matter where we are. You teach yourself that, like, in any moment, I can come back to my circle. And it's just my circle. Imagine, like, the visual is your circle. It's the now. Anxiety doesn't live here.
0: Woo! And that is a wrap for part one of this two-part episode with Shilia Daily. I know you're shaking your head right now. I know you're going, what the fuck? But... <laughs> You should have got an immense amount of value and at minimum, a sheer understanding of yourself and maybe where to go next with your desires around relationships, partnerships, and even the type of men or people that we're seeking in our lives. So take your notes, review them, gather oneself, and then sit tight because in two days, two days from today, this Thursday, we will be releasing part two with Shalia Daily.